Hi, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast Season 2, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is a podcast dedicated to all things food, from recipe ideas to interviews with chefs, producers, purveyors, farmers, and people who just love culinary adventures like myself. So join us here on Fridays to explore the world through the lens of food, and together we can share some yummy food, some laughs, and I welcome you here at my table always. And if you're ready, let's go on a food adventure together starting right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is season two, episode 15. Woo! (laughs) If you're new to the podcast, thanks for being here. Lovely to have you at my table. If you've been here a while, I love you. Yay! You know what I'm going to say. Don't take notes. I've taken all your notes. Go to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. While you're there... Check out my amazing chef's kiss food and product photography. It's what I do for a living, and I'm really fucking good at it. So hire me. (laughs) Shameless plug. Not so shameless. No shame in my game. If you've got questions for the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, if you need culinary sleuthing of any kind, send me an email. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. And tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at Let's Go On A Food Adventure. Okay, you guys, let's go on a food adventure. How is everyone? I'm dying. No, I'm not dying. No, I shouldn't say that. That's not very nice. Um, I'm very, very, very here in New England. We say I am wicked, wicked fucking allergic to trees. Like the, they look so pretty with all of their gorgeous little buds and flowers on them. But man, oh man, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I've been nasally for what feels like the entire last two months and especially in the last few weeks, it has been brutal. So today we're doing a mini episode because why? I can barely breathe out of my nose and I don't think you wanna hear me with my nasally phlegmy voice for an extended amount of time. So (laughs) it's a mini episode today. And uh, kind of like just, I I have a backlog of listener questions that I need to get to. And thank you guys for sending them in. Keep them coming. I love them. Absolutely love them. Um, They really help me in my cooking and like stepping outside of even my comfort zone a little bit because I too get stuck in a cooking rut and it's no fun. So yeah, keep them coming. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. Slide into my DMs on Insta. Let's go on a food adventure and keep those questions coming. I absolutely love it. So I was in the grocery store um, earlier this week and I was, I know, shocking. I talked to somebody. I know, I know. And I was standing, getting something like I was looking, I don't remember where I, I was, where was I? I was in like the, the, the salad bar-y area at Whole Foods. And I was I was getting something and this girl, I could tell was debating between two things. And so I was, then I walked over and I picked up something right next to her. And she was like, do you know what tempeh is? And I said, I do. And I'm like, oh, are you vegan? And she goes, well, I'm newly vegan. I don't know what to eat right now. I'm really struggling. And I said, oh, <laughs> like out of all of people to come to into my sphere in that second I was like I can help you (laughs) 
this is part of my superpowers. Let me help you. And so we had this beautiful conversation about her health and why. And I didn't even ask. I didn't prompt it. But she was just telling me why she chose to be vegan recently. And she's, you know, on the struggle bus a little bit because she doesn't know what to eat. And she was on her way from Connecticut to work in the Boston area and like just needed to grab something really quick to eat later for lunch. And she was just like, I I don't even know if I'm going to like this. And I'm like, okay. And I explained what tempeh is. And for those who don't know, it's a soy-based product that um, kind of, I mean, it's definitely got texture to it. I wouldn't say it's like super crunchy, but the way that people kind of cook it, they make it feel like sometimes it could be used as like crumbly bacon crumbles or um, even like mimic bacon in a sandwich sort of. Is it bacon? No, 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 no. If you're a non-vegan vegetarian, this is not... It's not bacon. It's not. Um, But it does give good crunch and texture when cooked in certain ways. And in this way, it was in a sandwich. And so I explained that and I said, my guess is it has like a smokiness to it. Um, Blah, 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 blah. And then the guy behind the counter came over and he was talking with us too. And he's like, oh, no, she's right. Yep, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm like, "Mm -hmm. yep, your girl knows. So um, anyway, I... It really made me think because one of the other pieces of advice I gave her, which I'm really saying this out loud to myself because the last few weeks I have been so straight out with in a beautiful, wonderful, like and like, you know, very abundant and in, in manifesting and in, in all, all the wonderful ways. Like my life is is really going really well. And I'm very, 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 very happy. But um Sometimes when I get really busy, other things that I might not be super hyper-focused on, you know, get shifted somewhere else. Like, for example, eating and food. And sometimes when I get really busy, I don't gravitate towards food choices that um, would be my most aligned, higher selfie kind of for my best self food choices. And I don't like saying the word diet. It's not, I don't like restrictive um, words. Uh, So I really like to use, you're going to hear me say it a a handful of times, is shifting my focus. So when I'm looking to bring new foods into my world and maybe shift my focus that I'm more focused on certain foods than other foods, or maybe it's I'm more focused on certain exercises than other exercises, you get where I'm going with this. So I was explaining to her one of the things that I do is depending what I'm trying to be focused on, like right now I'm trying to be focused on how much protein I get during the week every day at every meal because uh, I was talking with my wonderful trainer who's come on this podcast many, many times, Kristen Scontras. Please go follow her on Instagram and sign up for all of her beautiful online classes and you can work out with us. Um... Anyway, so I was talking with her about it and she, this, you know, health thing. And she was like, I think we need to focus on your protein this week. I'm like, cool. So I have an ongoing list of that. And I also have a list of AM and PM snacks that I can gravitate towards that I know are high in protein that will be things that are more of my best aligned food choices that I can make for me. Anyway, so I was telling her this and I was like, so what you might want to do is just think about food that you love 
that you know, do a little research and figure out, is it vegan? Is it not? It's pretty easy to figure out, but hey, you know, maybe, maybe not. So just do a little more research. And then in your phone, even just have an ongoing list of what you can grab when you're on the go for a good snack or a good healthy lunch or a breakfast option or whatever it is. So then you know, because I too, when you're going on all cylinders and you're thinking about something else or you're worried about something else or whatever it might be, you just need to be on autopilot sometimes with other things. And having a list for me helps me, can go, I can go on a little more autopilot with, say, my food that I, I'm trying to be focused on. But then I look to my list and I'm like, ah, okay, I can do this, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. I'll have, you know, whatever it is. Then going up and down an aisle or going through a drive through and being like, I don't fucking know. I'll just get that. Knowing that that was what I was probably trying to avoid the most, whatever that is. And that <laughs> it's just you're fatigued, you're exhausted, and you're just like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I, I just can't. So anyway, that I thought that was a really interesting thing. So I just I was like, hey, I'll share it with with everyone because you never know. And that can be used for it can be useful for anything in your life, like whether it be you're bored and you just need an ongoing list of activities that so you don't fall into like a doom spiral on Instagram or something, you know, or like, I don't know, exercising, like certain exercises you love to do because sometimes I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like, oh, I know I should do something, but I don't know what I should do. Like getting my my tush up to exercise because I have some self-motivating exercise <laughs> things and having a little bit of a list that I'm like, oh, I could just even stand here and do squats in my living room while watching TV. Like it doesn't need to be spending, you know, hundreds of dollars on a gym membership or spending thousands of dollars on a Peloton or hiring a personal chef or getting only meals delivered to you. You know what I mean? Like there is, there's ways that inexpensive ways that we can, we can do these things for ourselves just with carving out a tiny bit of time and doing some research. So I thought that was an interesting conversation that I was like, oh, I want to share with you guys. Okay. So as you all know, and if you're new to the podcast, you will now know, I love cookbooks. <laughs> I collect them. I'm not. Um, and I think that's what a lot of, I recently was listening to um, the host of the Splendid Table, and he's also the, I think he's the senior editor at Clarkson Potter, which is a very, very, very famous now cookbook publisher. Um, his name is Francis Lamb, and he is, he's a dollop. I love him. I listen to the Splendid Table, and I just love hearing his voice. I think he's just a dollop of a human. And, um, you know, one of the things that he said, and it really rang true to me, was that a lot of times now people don't buy cookbooks anymore as reference tools, which is what they used to be, hence even like Julia Child's The French, um, you know, her French cookbook or... I was going to say My Life in France, but that's not her cookbook. But that's a great book. And if you've never read it, I highly recommend it. But um, now people tend to buy cookbooks because they're collecting them. Because a lot of people, if you're just, and he said this, and I'm paraphrasing, like if you're just 
on a Tuesday looking what to do with some chicken breasts, broccoli and, you know, lemon and something else. And you're just Googling real quick. You that's what you're going to do. You're going to Google it. You're going to go on your computer. You're going to look it up and you're just going to get a recipe off the Internet. You sit down with a cookbook for other reasons now. A lot of us do. And whether it's looking at that beautiful photography. Hold on. Let me just dust my shoulders off a little bit right there. Mm hmm. Yep. 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 Or it's that you want to. It's a it's just a richer deeper, different experience. I also buy cookbooks to support the chefs, authors that I just love and I trust them wholeheartedly with their recipes and they never disappoint me. And also as somebody who is a creative and an artist myself, I love supporting other creatives and artists in any way I can. And so that's one of the ways I do it is by purchasing their work, um, whether it be in a cookbook or other things. So a cookbook that I am very much obsessed with, and I <laughs> did not know I even bought this until it showed up at my doorstep, and I was like, wow, Future Beth is very, uh, very happy that whatever past Beth did, she thought, mm, Future Beth will really like this cookbook, because it must have been one of those moments where I was, I don't know, not paying attention, half Googling, half shopping online, half watching something on TV, Maybe a, a, at post-dinner, sleepy time tea, you know, like the perfect storm of online shopping because I don't take Ambien or anything like that because those I've heard about Ambien-induced shopping sprees in the middle of the night and people wake up the next day and they're like, whoa, what did I or a couple of days later when it comes in the mail, they're like, this must be a mistake. And they're like, oh no, no, I took Ambien and a glass of wine and this is what happened. I don't take Ambien, but... Um, nothing wrong with if you do. But anyway, so I apparently purchased myself a cookbook and I am so happy I did because I absolutely love it. So if you are in the market for a new cookbook, I highly, 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 highly recommend. How many highlies can I get in there? Highly recommend Tegan Gerard's. She is the author <clears throat> photographer, producer, recipe tester, recipe writer for the very popular food blog called Half Baked Harvest. And her newest cookbook is called Every Day. This is not a sp uh, sponsorship. This is just, I am a huge fan of hers. I'm a huge fan of her cookbook. And the recipes are amazing. They're well-balanced. They are not necessarily super advanced at all. Um, I think anyone can do them with a little bit of, you know, culinary confidence. And I, the the photography is beautiful. It's totally in my style and vein of um, that, like, messy, moody. I dig it. And uh, the the everything I've made so far has been such winners. So I really, 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 really recommend picking up that cookbook. And when you do um, – make the beet and burrata salad, make the tacos. It's her crispy tacos are so effing good. And it really comes down to her technique of what she does to the taco shell. I don't want to give it away because you should buy the cookbook and <laughs> um, many, many more. I've made now, I think maybe 10 recipes out of this book since buying it. And every single one has been a winner. So please go pick it up. It's absolutely delicious. And with that, let's jump into a couple of listener questions. This is a mini episode after all. All righty. 
JJ from Instagram writes, is it just me or are the strawberries right now just kind of meh? Well, I bought some, they were on sale and they just taste kind of watery and dull. What can I do to make them taste better? Is there any way to save them? I love my strawberries and right now they just are not doing it for me. Of course there's some way to save them, JJ. Here I am, here to rescue you and your meh strawberries. So when strawberries are not in season and, you know, here in the U.S., unfortunately, not unfortunately, I shouldn't say that, but we um, mass produce fruits and vegetables. So and we also, you know, participate in the global veggie market that we we get everything all the time. And when things aren't ripe, um, they don't taste very good. So what you can do, though, because strawberries are on sale right now, kind of everywhere in grocery stores, you can roast them. So Michelle Posen, I believe that's how you pronounce her last name, from the 20th Century Cafe in San Francisco, she has an amazing recipe that you roast them. And I've done it many times. They're absolutely delicious. You can keep them in your refrigerator and then you can pull them out. I wouldn't keep them for more than, I mean, I use them so quickly. So I don't know if they last more than three days, but, but I, um, I, I recommend just having some on hand in your fridge that you you'll go through anyway so when you roast them you're going to roast them you need to be around for this recipe this is a uh, low and slow recipe so you're going to take your strawberries hull them cut the tops off if they're huge cut them in like you want you want them in uniform chunks so not necessarily like small pieces but if you have smaller berries great. You can leave those whole, but then the medium berries may be cut in half. The larger berries may be quarter just so they all kind of roast consistently. You're going to put some sugar on them, put them on a sheet pan, make sure there's breathing room around the berries so you don't overcrowd the sheet pan. Put them in an oven at 250 degrees. Yep. You heard that right for three to six hours and they are going to be delicious. I can promise you this is going to save your sad berries. So um, I will link to the recipe in the show notes. With those berries, you can do many, many, many things. I like putting them just straight up on Greek yogurt. You can put them on ice cream. You can use them in savory ways. You can put them on salads. You could waz them up because you're going to get a ton of fun juice too. That's almost like a syrupy juice afterwards. You could make a cocktail out of them. You could, <laughs> I feel like this is like the Forrest Gump with the shrimp. Like you could do so many things with these strawberries. So um, make them. Tell me how it goes. They're so good. They're really so good. Alrighty. Melissa from Instagram writes, I was at a fancy restaurant recently for dinner and I ordered carrots, this carrot side dish. They came roasted and unpeeled and I thought is this something that just this fancy restaurant is doing so I ask you can you really not peel a carrot is that okay let me know very very interesting Melissa and I am so glad you asked this question (laughs) because it got me thinking so there's a few instances and this is for my own personal preference and I think that you do you, you know, like I, this is just me telling you what I like to do for me and what, how I like to cook. Um, so I think for me personally, when 
a carrot or like say a beet that has that really soft outer layer where typically I've always peeled them prior when you can actually eat that without having an issue like you wouldn't be able to eat for example like a roasted butternut squash skin like I feel like you really need to peel the butternut squash because the skin is too tough even after you roast it but a beet and carrots their skin is so thin that after you roast it it's almost like it really doesn't matter like you can eat through it no problem and the other part of that equation is that there is a ton a ton of nutrients in that thin little outer layer of skin so what i like to do is first and foremost i make sure that i buy organic mm -hmm, i do veggies if i'm not going to peel the skin and i also try to buy local so i know where they're coming from um if if those two things like check the box like ding ding okay cool then i take a i have a potato scrubber that i only use to scrub like veggies or fruit or potatoes <laughs> so i don't know if, i don't think a potato is a veggie right it's a starch i don't know doesn't matter so i scrub that right so i scrub the outer skin with some water with um the carrots or save beets before i roast them and then i roast them whole i am obsessed with roasted whole carrots like ob obsessed obsessed they're so good they're so fun to eat they're like kind of meaty in a way when you roast them whole like that um and then you can put just insane things on top sauces pomegranate seeds fresh herbs lemon zest and just oh they're so effing good and so that's what i do again for me personally like i said if i'm going to consume the outer layer of I'm going to consume anything. I, I do care where it comes from and how it was grown because I care what I put into my body. But, um, and I think it matters. Again, this is my own personal preference. You guys do you. But um, yeah, so that that's my advice. And I do think that it's really, 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 really good. But uh, yeah, fancy restaurants, I can definitely see. And they probably like didn't trim the edges, the ends of the carrots, like the long uh, pointy part of the carrot because when you roast that it looks even more beautiful when you plate it so because you know visual we're visual people anyway so I hope this helps but if you prefer to peel your carrots and you like the taste of that better then by all means peel away but always scrub them because a good little scrubbing if you don't peel them you want to get like the dirt and stuff off so then it doesn't taste as earthy but maybe you like the dirt I don't know I don't know maybe you ate mud pies as a child and this is reminiscent of your childhood Again, you do you. All right, next question. All right, all right, all right. Christos from Facebook writes, do you ever make your own tortillas? How hard is it? What equipment do I need? Should I just buy them? You tell me. Direct and to the point, Christos. Dig it. All right, so I have made my own tortillas many, many, many times. And I bought... <laughs> one of my many trips to Mexico, a tortilla press that I then lugged back through um, my um, in my suitcase. I was I remember being at the airport in Cancun trying to take out things to make the weight work with this tortilla press that I had to have after a cooking class that I took in 
in Playa del Carmen. And yeah, anyway. So I do know all about, I don't know all about making my own tortillas, but I know a a little bit. I've dipped my toe in the tortilla making. And here's what I'm going to say. If you have a local place that is making really freaking amazing corn tortillas, buy them, support them and buy them. If you have a, if you're buying uh, corn tortillas at, I don't know, the grocery store and they come from an amazing, there's a few places here in Massachusetts that make amazing corn tortillas that are local and just really effing good and they taste really good. There's, there's so many good places where you can get really, really, really good corn tortillas. Corn tortillas I don't, I don't fuck with because, um, you can make them yourself, but man, when somebody knows what they're doing and makes and just gets really good masa and just knows how to work it, it's far and away better than anything I'm going to make. Truth, truth. So, um, support someone who makes really good ones. I'll link a couple in the show notes that even ship nationwide. Um, the flour tortillas. I'm going to say make them. I'm, I'm in the camp of make your own flour tortillas. And here's why. When you buy flour tortillas in the store, they are loaded with a bunch of crap that you don't need. A lot of preservatives because they need to be shelf stable. Um, and a lot of other shit that you don't need. Flour tortillas are far and away so, so, so easy to make. Uh, you can't fuck this up. So, and they take no time whatsoever. So I will link a recipe in the show notes, but I'm talking start to finish, especially if you have somebody helping you in the kitchen, even if you don't start to finish the other day when I made some for uh, we had really great carnitas I made um, and it took maybe 20 minutes and that's 10 minutes of the dough resting because it's it, it's a hot water based dough. So you take the flour, some room temp butter, mixy mixy, little baking powder, mixy mixy, some salt, mixy mixy, add in boiling water, forms a dough, knead it for like one or two minutes until it's smooth let it sit with a damp cloth for 10 minutes. That's it. Cut it into, I think I got like 14 tortillas out of this one uh, recipe. Roll them into little balls. Put the wet, you know, kitchen towel over those. Roll them out nice and thin. Hot cast iron pan going. Beep, beep, beep. Like literally no time to flip them and cook them. You'll get into a rhythm way quicker than you will even a pancake because you know like first two pancakes when you make pancakes are crap. So these way easier, way better, and you don't waste any. Get another kitchen towel right next to your stove. As you're making them and they're coming off the stove, slide it right into the other kitchen towel. Stack them up. They'll stay warm in that kitchen towel longer than you think. And then you have warm, fresh flour tortillas for you to eat with anything and when I tell you these are so effing good they're even good the next day they didn't make it past day two in our house they were all gone (laughs) they were so good snacking on them they're like I said super duper easy to make way way worse and you know exactly what's in them 
There's no preservatives. It's got this beautiful buttery taste to them that's not like overly buttery. It's really, really, really effing good. So, uh, Christos, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I forgot your name. I'm wicked sorry, Christos. Christos, make your own flour tortillas. Do it and then send me a picture on Instagram. Okay, so, all right, you guys, that's it. That's all she wrote today. Oh my God, I made it. Yay. Allergies and all, I made it. Thank you again for all your listener questions. Keep them coming in. They are brilliant. Send them to let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. Now, again, go to my website for everything. I have it all there for you. ElizabethRFuller.com. And of course, tag me on Instagram on all of your food adventures at let's go on a food adventure. Oh, it was a fun mini episode. I ha- It's been a minute since we did them, so it was nice to come back to this. I had so much fun. I have a smile on my face. I hope you have a great weekend. Make some yummy food together. Lead with kindness, and I'll see you next Friday. Bye!